Amen. Amen. I was listening to a preacher uh, just a couple of days ago, and uh, he said that God had kind of given him a, a word this year, and it was, it was Psalms 18 where he was reading from, and it was, The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. And he says, who avenges me and subdues the people under me. He delivers me from my enemies. He lifts my head above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. Great deliverance he brings to his king and shows mercy to anointed uh, to David and his descendants uh, uh, forevermore. But throughout the whole message, man, he just, the first line, the Lord lives. The Lord lives. And he was just saying, if ever you needed to get something in your spirit that you declare this year, it's that the Lord lives. So it doesn't matter what's going on. The Lord lives. If there's wars going on, the Lord lives. Yeah, but the finances look shaky. Yeah, but the Lord lives. Amen. Yeah, but the health report doesn't look so good. But the Lord lives, right? And blessed be our rock, the God of our salvation. So you need to get that deep inside of your spirit. The Lord, the Lord, he lives, he lives, he lives. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds the future And life is worth the living Just because He lives He lives Amen He lives Hallelujah Father, we love you We thank you, God, for this day. We thank you for the people that are here. We are looking forward to the baptism at the uh, conclusion of the service today, God. Thank you that you are still, still, because you live, we can live also. And you're still causing people who are dead in their trespasses and sin to hear your voice and come out of the grave and live. And Father, we're so grateful for be Lord, giving her life to the Lord. And God, wanting to follow that up with uh, being publicly baptized, God, and saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And so, Lord, we just thank you for that. We praise you. We don't take it lightly, God, that when a soul is saved, it's the greatest miracle in the world. The greater, greater than blind eyes open, greater than deaf ears being stopped, unstopped. God, an eternal soul being saved, and God having eternal life. God, what power! There's, there's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah! And we thank you for that, Lord. Every war you wage, you will win. Oh, Lord, our God only knows only how to triumph, God. Those, those songs, God, they're, they're in your word. They we're singing your word. We're singing your promises back to you, God. And, Lord, we are going to see a victory. We've already seen a victory, and we'll see the final victory, God, uh, soon and very soon. We're going, to, we're going to see the king. And, Lord, just help us today, God, to draw nearer to you, Lord, with a heart of faith, God. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today, uh, I want to talk to you maybe a couple of directions, uh, but uh, I really don't care if I don't have a sermon today. I've been struggling, to be honest with you. I told you this year I'm going to preach on prayer, 
and it's this is out of I'm I'm way out of my boundary. Um, and and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hang on. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence in this place today. I have no clue what you want to say, but I do know when you're calling me, and I thank you for that. So with that said, I just pray that you take over this fleshly body and this very strong tongue, and you not let it be about anything of me, but all of what you would want to say, Lord. I trust you 100%, and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. My mom's been telling me for years that there are many times in my life where I should have died. I won't go through (laughs) all the crazy scenarios, but I do believe added to that list was falling through the ceiling when I recount all the moments that she's told me about she said I believe Marcy the enemy wanted to take your life but God right I am so thankful for the heritage in my life. I had grandparents that earnestly prayed over me. They didn't just pray over me. They called me into the ministry. I do believe that it's Howard and Lucille Helms that called this man and this woman into the ministry. Helped call. God called, but you know what I mean. Garland and Bertha Caps, you never left their house when they didn't say pray for so-and-so and add them to your prayer list. I had praying family. I'm so grateful for that. I guess what I want to say to you is be the family that prays for your family. Your prayers matter, and they go into eternity. Howard and Lucille and Garland and Bertha are no longer walking this earth. But I believe with all my heart that their prayers still live on and are powerful today. So as we walk through the trials and tribulations and the fall and and all that happens in our life, when we fall through an attic ceiling or whatever it may be, Know that the hand of God is on you. And just because things happen to you, you you may come out with some bumps and bruises, right? But there's never a doubt in the believer's heart that Almighty God is with you. 
Never let the enemy steal your faith. Jesus said when he returns, will he find faith? Let him, let him know that you are a child of faith. Don't let the enemy come in and take that from you, okay? And please, please, please pray over your family members. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Again, uh, thank you for everybody that participated in the outreach yesterday. I appreciate this. This has really been something that's been birthed out of a couple of people's hearts, and we really feel like it's important to our community and to reaching out to our community with love and with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So again, thank you for that. Let me pray one more time. I know I prayed, but let me pray, and I'll get back to where I was at. Thank you, Marcy, for sharing. So, so relevant to what we're talking about today. So Father, again, speak to our hearts and change our lives through the word of God. Help me, God. I can't preach without you and uh, need your grace, need your help. And God, I can't cause anybody to pray uh, God, unless the spirit of uh, grace uh, comes upon us and supplication, and Lord, you cause us to, uh, to do that. God, give us a want to, give us a desire, give us a will to want to pray. Lord, we love you. We give you the praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was starting to say, um, I'm kind of was struggling. I'm out of my element, and uh, uh, I knew these were going to be hard things for me to, uh, I, I pray but I'm a very uh, perfectionist, and I, I guess sometimes if I'm not careful, I, I, I start leaning on the arm of the flesh rather than on the spirit or on God. And uh, I, I need uh, his help with these messages because I, I don't feel like this is an area that I, I, I know I haven't mastered it. I do, do it very well, and I want to do it very well because I know it's really powerful. And I also know it hasn't been at the place of priority that it needs to be in my life, nor in this church, and I want that to change. Uh, I want that to be, I want it to get ratcheted back up to where it belongs at the front, at the first. We've really put a lot of emphasis on the Word of God, uh, but we have not put so much emphasis on prayer, and there is power in prayer. And I want to believe, and I, and I just say, God, help me with my unbelief, because I believe uh, it, that's, that's where the root of it stems and lies. And, and, and we've become such a, a people in this nation who really have not had to rely on prayer, because everything's provided for us, right? Right? I mean, jobs are plentiful, and uh, resources are available, and so it's very easy to say, well, uh, you know, we're sick, let's go to the doctor. Well, we're, we're this, let's go here, and, and, and sometimes because we've been such a blessed people and had so many resources, sometimes prayer gets pushed to the back. Well, we can buy our way out of that, we can fix that, we can do this, but I believe we're going to see a day coming soon and very soon where we're going to need to rely upon God heavily for prayer. The situation are going to get so out of hand and out of control that we're driving this ship towards that, that it's going to take our, our governments are broke our, our system is broke uh, there, there's so much out of our control now our stock market is heading towards an iceberg with trillions and trillions and trillions our electoral system everything the people so so it's we're getting to a place where it cannot be fixed by man alone and it's going to take the power and the presence of almighty god and we're going to have to petition him in prayer and i want to talk about that this morning i want to just start at the foundation i know god is going to give me some things throughout the course of this year last year we preached on covenant uh, i believe or the year before i mean like every few days we were on covenant and i just believe god i don't 
don't know. It could change, but I just really believe we're going to hear a lot on prayer, even though I don't have anything on prayer to say. And that's part of the problem is that wrestling with God all, all weekend and trying to, I, I started to change the message about 10 times to come back to something I feel comfortable preaching. And, I, and it was like it was dry. There was nothing there. And I knew if I came out here, I've preached without the Spirit of God before. And I can hear a voice in my head saying, why did you just say that? Why did you just say that? What are you talking about? And I know when I'm in the flesh and I know when the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I just said, God, I will come out here and if I fall on my face, that's fine, but I'm going with you. I don't want to go out there and just preach something I know I can preach. And so, so we're going to talk about calling on the name of the Lord. And I just feel like this will be a good starting place and a good foundation for us in prayer, calling on the name of the Lord. One of the most important dates in history of the world was not when the wheel was invented, not when the discovery of fire, not the discovery of electricity as great as those were, not the discovery of atomic energy, but one of the days that impacted our planet more than any other day that had everlasting effects on the world to come is found in Genesis 4.25, and I want you to look at it with me on the screen. It says, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth, for she said, God has appointed for me an offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed Abel. Hold it right there. So what we have going on is we have the fall of mankind and we know what happens immediately after the fall. We know that sin enters the picture and it doesn't take long before sin causes all kinds of misery and trouble. We see the first parents there immediately one of their sons rises up in jealousy and kills the other son. He offered a, a gift that was not the right gift to offer and all of a sudden God didn't accept that gift and so now in rage and anger he kills Abel. Abel. And the blood of the ground, God says, is crying out over this man's death. And, and so we see that. And so God, after that, Cain goes out of vagabond and, and begins to go into a, kind of a, a, a cursed situation, so to say, that he's out there. And all kinds of seed is coming through Cain that is independent of God. They're going out there. They're not depending on the Lord like Adam and Eve were in the garden. One of the beautiful things about the garden where we were in covenant with God was that we we always had his presence. We always had uh, he, we always had his protection. We always had provision. They didn't have to worry about food. They went on the trees and got food. It was there every day. They didn't have to worry about water in the ground. The earth watered the ground for them every single day. They were protected from the ad animals. They didn't have to worry about a, a beast coming against them and ripping them to part. God protected them. God's presence was there. He walked with them. He talked with them in the cool of the day. They were close to God and he felt their presence. And, and they could commune with him and they were protected and all of this until the fall and now all of a sudden Cain's lineage is going out there awry and away from God and they are, they, are, they are doing things independent of God that is until God raises up another seed another offspring from the line of Seth and the, look at what verse 26 this is the day that changed the history of the world to Seth also a son was born and he called his name Enosh and at that time say at that time people began to call on the name of the Lord that means at some moment in time people realized more than just creating the sun and the moon and the stars 
More than just spinning the galaxies out there and putting the earth on its axis. One day, a revelation began to come into humankind and and the godly seed began to get this revelation. And they began to say, this God that that has created everything, this God that put Adam and Eve in the garden, this God that was there before, this God is more than just a God who created things. This is a God that if we call upon Him, He hears us and He answers our prayers. And men began to call on God and that affected history. Men and women began to call on the name of the Lord. Now to call there in that passage of scripture means to cry out. It means to treat. It means to entreat. It means to call out, to besiege, to beg, to plead, and to call out with all of your heart. And the Bible says that when mankind began to do this, maybe somebody's daughter got sick and some mom got desperate enough and a revelation came into her heart and said, if I call out to God, He'll hear my prayer and He'll heal my sick daughter. I don't know but somewhere maybe a man was out there and struggling in the field and knew that if there if we don't have food this year we're not going to eat and something came into his heart and he began to call out to God and say God I know you're the creator but I believe you hear your people and I need you to intervene in this situation and he began to plead God we're going to die God we're not going to make it God if we don't have food my kids are not going to be here next year and God began to hear their prayer and rain begin to come and crops begin to come out of the ground because he's a God that hears and listens to his people when they pray. And when 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 they called, God responded and it developed into, this word call developed into another meaning. Not only did it mean to cry and to plead and to call out with all of your heart, but they began to see that when God responded, that they began to praise and they began to worship and they began to extol with their lips and to exalt and to honor and to celebrate and to commemorate and to tell abroad, to communicate to another person and to tell somebody else. In other words, look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind, right? He saved me. Right? They begin to say, my daughter, I prayed. Can you believe it? She's well. She's here today. Can you believe it? Let me give you some food. God answered the God who answers prayer. And they begin to extol Him. I know it makes y'all nervous. We have people telling us, don't get so churchy and that sort of thing. Guess what? I'm going to get more churchy than this. I'm going to get more undefiled, undignified than this. If God answers your prayer, it ought to put some praise in you. It ought to put some excitement in you. Maybe you haven't had something so big answered yet that it puts that in you. But if you ever call out to the God of heaven and he does something huge for you, you can't help but praise him. Hallelujah. I mean, if you want a prize somewhere, I guarantee you, and it was big enough, if you want a car, I bet you wouldn't just say, Oh, thank you. No, I bet you'd get off the phone and go, I bet you'd say, yes! Your husband or wife say, what in the world is wrong with you? We won. 
Well, maybe when we pray, it says that, and they called out to God, that word called, they begged, they pleaded, and then it shifted into something else where the people began to praise and worship. Oh, God, I can't believe how wonderful you are. Oh, God, you're amazing. Oh, God, you're incredible. They begin to celebrate God and commemorate God. They begin to tell others, can you believe what God has done? Can you believe I prayed and he heard my prayer and he answered my prayer? And folks, that's what began to happen that changed the history of the the world, people begin to realize when we call on God, He listens. And He's the God who begins to answer. And that's the first relationship that God had with His people again after the fall. They weren't called Christians. They were called people who call upon God. People who call on the Lord. Call on me, God said, and I will help you. When you don't know what to do, I'll tell you. Hey, When you're ready to throw your hands up in the air and say, I give up, call on me. And I I can create a stir in your heart. I can change things. And so the relationship that he has was calling out to God. And we see this continue on in the people of God. Because Abraham builds an altar and he begins to call upon God. Isaac later begins to build an altar. This is what the people of God do after that point. The people that are following in that line of Seth. The people that realize when we call out to God, he answers. This is the first relationship. They begin to talk to God. They begin to communicate with God. They begin to put altars up and ask God for things and talk to God. And Abraham called on the Lord. And Isaac builds an altar and calls upon the Lord. And Jacob before there's ever even a church building called the tabernacle, Jacob comes to a place called Bethel which means house of God. And he's there and he begins to call on the name of the Lord. Abraham goes down to Egypt unwisely. He runs into trouble and the Bible says he quickly runs back to Bethel, builds back the altar, and there he begins to call on the name of the Lord. We see it over and over and over. It became the sign of God's people. Yet today, it is not a sign of the people of God in America because we've become so good with our ingenuity. We've become so good with our lights and our whistles and our bells in our churches. We've become so good with our programs and so good with our sermons. We can get off the internet that we don't need to go in time and seek the Lord in prayer. Amen. So Moses is getting ready to go into the land and Joshua is about to take over. And here's what he begins to tell them. He says, remember how special of a people you are. Remember that you're the people of God. And he begins to tell them this. He begins to tell them, he says, who else of all people on the face of the earth who has a God that draws near to them when they call upon him? That's what Moses tells. Who else on the face of the earth has a God that when we call upon him? That he hears us. Who else that when you fall out of the attic and you don't know what you're going to do. And you don't know if you're bleeding internally or you're not. Who else can you call upon but God? Amen. He said they may have better chariots than we do. And he says they may have better weaponry than we do. But we are the people who calls on God. And when we call on God, he draws near to us. And he hears us. And so when we call on God, we know he does. And so what do you think Satan's whole device would be? If we, if we are a people that we know when we call on God, he hears and he draws near and he answers our prayer. What do you think Satan's device would be? It would be to get you not to call upon God. Right? 
It would be to get a group of people who never cry out to God. It would be to get a people that get so clever in their own thinking and own ideas and own organization and own own plans that they never need to call out to God. It would get to people that depend on talent and and, and get on the computer and do stuff like that without ever having to talk to God. And so the devil gets afraid when he gets a group of people that he gets stirred up. I think that's why he's fighting these messages. That's why I think he's fighting me because he knows if we ever get back on our knees if we ever get back believing that we can call on God and the God of the universe will answer and hear our prayers it was the sign of Israel nobody's like our God who draws to and near to us when we call on him all bets are off when we when we don't call uh, all bets are off when we don't call on him but when we call on him he is with us and he answers our prayer you see it over and over with the kings Asa million man armies coming and he calls upon God and God hears and wipes out the army but all of a sudden the the next generation comes or the next person or the next battle comes and they begin to depend on their might oh we kick tail in that last battle, we we don't need God. We've got a, we got all these people. Look at what we we've increased our weaponry since last time. And all of a sudden, they would go out against far less people, and they'd be run out of town on a rail because God wanted them to know well, it's me. It's not by might nor by power, but it's by me. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Amen. So it was a sign to Israel. The prophets knew this. The prophets continually did this. What did Elijah do? What did he do when he had 450 prophets of Baal? And you remember what he said? He said, hey, let's build an altar on this mountain. I tell you what, let's go up to Mount Carmel. You get your priests, you get your prophets, and here's what we'll do. You sacrifice and you call out to God, and the God who answers by fire, he is the real God. He said, where's how we're going to settle the dispute? We're going to go up on that mountain and we're going to pray and call out to God and I got news the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob will prevail and he did prevail on that day because they cut themselves he mocked them and all of a sudden when they got done he moved out of the way he said just this short little prayer he called upon the God of heaven and the God who heard his prayer answered by fire amen hallelujah David David, listen to what he said in Psalms 4 and 3. But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. David knew. He wrote it in the Psalms. He says, he said he set apart the godly from, for himself, and the Lord will hear when I call unto him. I'm his person. David knew the whole posture of, to battle everything was to call out to God, and he will give the victory. You can choose. Uh, you, 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 can, you can chase us, David would say. You can persecute us. You can stomp us. You can do anything you want to do. But when I'm in trouble, I'm going to call out to God. And that was often God's servant, and He'll use it today if he has to use that servant again today called trouble. Because every time they got into distress and every time they got in trouble, guess what it caused them to do? Oh, God, help us. Yeah. 
It caused them to call out to God. Listen to what it says in Psalms 14.4. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they uh, do bread and call not upon the name of the Lord? He says wicked people don't call on God. It's the people of God who call upon the name of the Lord. Calling on the name of the Lord, not only does He hear us, but it brings fresh praise into our life. That's what I said about trouble. Listen to what Psalms 50 and 15 says. And call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. It begins to put fresh praise in our life. It begins to, it begins, when we call on him in the day of trouble and he delivers us, it excites us. It begins to show our God is a mighty God, a God of, that's a mighty fortress. And listen to me, when people call on God, revival comes. It begets revival. But don't call out to God and there will be no revival in your life. You're not going to be revived. You wonder why most of us look around like Christians with long faces and we look totally whipped and wiped out every time we come in this room and there's no reviving inside of us? It's because we don't call out to God anymore. And if you're prayerless, you're not revived. Where was the church born? Anybody? A prayer meeting. Tarry in Jerusalem and wait and pray. And I'll send power down upon you. And you'll become my witnesses in Judea and Jerusalem and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. It was born in a prayer meeting. And guess what? You can't get a church member hardly in America to come to a prayer meeting anymore. No, I can call one tomorrow. And, or let's get past the, the cold days. I could call one on the best sunny day in the world and say we are going to. I could say we're going to cancel class this Wednesday night and we're going to pray. And it would be crickets in this place. But the church was born in a prayer meeting. In a prayer meeting. People say put prayer back in school. Put prayer back in school. Oh, oh, I can't believe we don't have prayer in schools. And you know what that really is? We're just playing games and diverting attention from the fact that we don't pray and blaming the world. Because do you think Rome had prayer in school? Do you think Paul was worried about Caligula being a homosexual and transvestite? He wasn't worried about the culture affecting him because he was a man that called upon God and he was going to affect the culture. And that's what the church of Jesus Christ ought to be doing in our prayer meetings. We ought to be affecting and pushing back the darkness in our culture and then getting up out of that place and going into the marketplace and preaching this gospel of the good news of the kingdom. He wasn't wringing his hands about the culture. He was calling upon God. Preaching now is just a form of entertainment. I think that's why I've worried so much because every week i got to worry about am I going to come and all the sermon tasters, is it going to knock it out of the park this week? And that's the pressure because we're in entertainment. Feed me, pastor. Give me another good one. And I'll be like Simon Cowell and I'll rate it. Right? And we go out talking. That was a great sermon. That was a great sermon. Ever learning, but never able to put it into practice and come to, to the knowledge of truth. When we stand before Jesus, He's going to ask us this, I believe. Did you continue in the line of men and women? 
Not that preached great messages. Not that did this or did that. Did you continue in the line of men and women who called upon God? Brookside Church of God, did you, commit, did you continue in? Did, did, you, did you lead the people, Brad Lindsay, to call upon God? Or did you just preach to them? Did you, just, did you just give them great sermons to knock it out of the park? So, so we, we want to be a people who call upon God. Let me just shift for a few more minutes. I told you I don't care if this is a traditional sermon. But let me, let me close here in a few minutes. And you know my closing is not really a closing. And I'm getting where I don't care anymore. Used to, I'd apologize. Matthew 6, 5, and 6. Let's close with, with talking about the power of the secret closet. So we know men and women of God called on the name of the Lord. And we know God heard them. And that's what the, that's what the early believers were signified as. A group, people who called on God. That's how, they had a relationship with Him. Prayer is just talking to God, right? Just talking to God, like talking to a friend. So, but, but, but we need to have a, 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 uh, a secret closet, the Bible tells us. Look at what this says in Matthew 6, 5, and 6. But thou, when thou prayest, it says, you must not be like the hypocrite. It says, when thou prayest, enter into the closet. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into the closet. And when you have shut the door, pray to the Father, which is in secret. And the Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. God divided his people into two categories. Those who seek me and those who don't. Those who seek me and those who seek me not. And as I said earlier, I could go through instant after instant after instant. When Israel fell into idolatry, where did Moses go? He went outside of that mess and he went outside of the camp and he pitched a tent and he began to call upon God. And people went with him, left the idolatry, went outside of the camp. That tells me that even in the midst of the sickness that is going on in our world and our nation today, there's a group of people who will go outside of all of that and they'll begin to call on the name of the Lord. Amen? And God heard their cry in the midst of all that idolatry, and he loved it. King Asa, as I said, was a king, and he began to, uh, he began to call on God, and he understood that, that God blessed him and prospered him and kept him in peace with all of his enemies when he began to call upon God. I mentioned the one million man army that he went against and how he cried to God, and God heard his prayer, and he destroyed the enemy before him. But, but, but shortly after that, a prophet came to this man, and he said, hey, the Lord will be with you while you call upon him but if you forsake him and you stop seeking him he ain't going to be with you and they constantly saw this in their life the people knew where their power and where their victory comes from and we've somehow lost that I've somehow lost that somehow in my own life and Israel enjoyed rest when they sought God look we don't have any rest in our lives we ought to have more rest and peace going on in our lives King Uzziah as long as he sought the Lord God made him to prosper and his name spread above the world like America at one time we were a godly people even our presidents at times sought God and our name was known all over the world today we're a laughing stock 
Today we're the biggest exporters of pornography and of Hollywood and of filth and smut. And, and, and our name, the name of God is being mocked all around the world. Jeremiah prophesied that all the shepherds who refuse to seek God uh, in prayer will likewise fail. And in his generation they did. The sheep were scattered. There was no unity. There was only a handful of people that sought God. And I'll say that's the same thing about our pastors today. There's really only a handful of pastors today in this world and especially in the United States, that seek the Lord. They lean on the arm of the flesh. And the tabernacle is spoiled and the cords are broken and the flocks are scattered and everything's in ruin. And so the Lord draws a sharp distinction between people who call on God and those who don't. And he says those who call on him in prayer, they have something secret that comes to them in there. It's a power and there's a power in having a secret place with God, a secret closet with God. And that's the question for you here today. Do you have a secret place with God? Do you have a secret? If you don't, I'm not condemning you. If you don't, let's start having a secret place with God. Do you have a closet of prayer? The Bible kind of calls it. Uh, I don't mean a closed closet, but, 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 but rather a habit of shutting yourself up with God every day. To be shut up. It, that's what secret closet means. Just to be somewhere shut up with God. It means a prayer habit. It means a daily practice of getting alone with the God of the universe. It's a heart that says, hey, before everything else in my day, I must get alone with God. And it has to do everything to do with intimacy with God. It has to do with relationship, just like when Seth and them began to call on the name of the Lord. It means aloneness with Him. Jesus warned against hypocrisy in prayer. He warned against people who just come out and do it publicly for show. And they love to hear their words being said. But He talked about a secret place that we could go along with God. And in that place, we could could find a great reward. And we would have this habit of drawing near. God sees in that secret place. That secret place. It's the place where you go in, like I said, a closet, and you shut out the world. You shut out everything. It's it's any place where a child of God shuts out the world, shuts himself alone with God, and seeks him in prayer. Jesus clearly said this, when you pray, enter into the closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray. In other words, don't talk to your father with a cluttered mind. Shut out the world. Shut out the crying baby. Shut out the buzz, 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 buzz. Shut out the difficulties. Shut out the financial problems. Shut out the work problems. See, many people pray long hour prayers, but they're powerless. Because they don't come into their closet and shut the door. They leave it wide open. Oh, they can pray for hours, but they're interrupted constantly by that. They're interrupted constantly by the phone. They're interrupted constantly by this one and by that one. They're never directing their prayers directly to God in the secret place. And it takes a concentrated effort to pray. And we want to go into our closet. We want to have a closet, first of all. And we want to go into that closet. And we want to shut the door and go into the secret closet. And and just absolutely get to a place where we are disciplined, which is we're in a culture 
and a society that is so undisciplined because the mantra and the, uh, is, is what? Not to be But God's throne is a, is a throne that is behind closed doors. It's not like a courthouse where, where the judge is up there and bailiffs are coming and this one's coming and that one's coming. No, it's a place where it's just you and the Father. And, 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 and look, if you were to go to the President of the United States and say, I would love an hour with you, and you went into his office and you begin to just stare out the door and the window and you begin to look at everything and you begin to answer the phone and talk to other people, he would throw you out of his office and wouldn't give you the time of the day. And that's what, yet we come into God's presence and we come in there with such cluttered things we don't go into the secret place and we don't shut the door and shut everything out and thus uh, we, we wonder why our prayer lives are so shallow the, the prayer closet is, implies quality time quality time it, it's your best time it's the time when you're wide awake it's the time when you have just got out of bed and you feel great and you come into that place listen do you come into the morning prayer with things on your mind and all kinds of things going on. They didn't take their sacrifices to the altar of the Lord that were lame and bold. Well, they did, and they got in trouble. No, you were to take your best sacrifice. You were to take your best offering before God and before the priest. And that's exactly what we should do when we come and join ourselves to the Lord in prayer. The secret closet is a place where we come with all of our heart. It's a place we come. It's a place where we put all distractions out and we shut the door and we're shut in with just God. It's a place where we come, and it's a place where we come with all of our heart. It says here in Matthew, listen to what the scripture says. Blessed are they who keep his testimonies and seek him with their whole heart, Psalms 119 and 2. Listen to Deuteronomy 4.29. Once you have established a habit of prayer, listen to what he says. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, and find him if you seek with him with all your heart and with all your soul. Moses' dying word to Israel, listen to what he says. In the last days when thou art in tribulation and all these things are coming upon you if you turn to the Lord your God and shall be obedient to his voice he will not forsake you neither destroy thee nor forget the covenant of your fathers which he swore unto thee so what he's saying is he's saying come into have a prayer closet this is what I'm urging you to do you now know that you can call on God and he hears you and answers the God of heaven who can do anything he's better than Google He's better than the UN. He's better than anybody that can solve your problem. You can go. He's better than a counselor. He is the counselor, the wonderful counselor. And you go to him in a prayer meeting, in a secret place where you're there in, in the throne room of God and you can find help and mercy and grace in your time of need. It's you and him and you and him alone. You have his undivided attention. You push everything out from your day and you spend time with him. And then all of a sudden the Bible says that you begin to in that place pour out your soul you pour out your heart you pour out your soul you pour out everything to this God in that secret place. You come to Him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Some of you are so scared to open your heart up and let God see what's inside of there. The greatest day of my life was when I'd had to quit pretending with God and I could show Him everything inside of my heart. I could come to Him with everything inside of my heart. That's why these altars are always open because even when you're a Christian, you still struggle 
And I know some of you were raised in, in denominations where all this altar was was to come down one time in your life, shake a preacher's hand, and leave out of there saying you're saved. And if you ever came back down, all eyes were on you like something had just bad had happened. This altar, this place sometimes where we come down and respond to messages is a place where we can come down and pour out our heart to God. And sometimes the message requires that immediately. Because by the time you get out there, something has distracted you and you forget it. Sometimes you strike while the iron is hot and you come down and you say, Dear God, I didn't know that was in my heart. Deal with that now. It's a place where you seek the Lord with all. You come with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, and all your strength. And then the last thing is Jesus in that place promises a reward. He promises a reward. And the reward is order to your life. There's a number of things that come in that place with him. Tons of things. But one, one of the, the Father which sees you in secret shall reward you openly. And one reward in particular that I want to show you that is so good is Jehoshaphat. In 2 Chronicles 22.9, it says, He sought the Lord with all his heart. And because he sought God with all of his heart, guess what? He enjoyed 35 years of order in his kingdom. 35 years of order. Never any chaos. Never any confusion. And, 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 but yet when he dies, his son takes over. And the Bible says that he did not seek the Lord. And because of that, he had no power to keep the order that his father had seen. He was a prayerless man. And I see lives that are so chaotic. I see them in such, such chaos. Such chaos. And I believe if you would just go into the secret place with God. If you would pour out your heart to him, if you would cut out everything of this world and go into that place with him and him alone, I believe he would reward you with this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful reward of, a, of an ordered life. An ordered life. Don't we need that in a disorganized, chaotic world? An ordered life? Can you imagine what kind of impact that would have on your co-workers when they are so frazzled? When they are the people who don't call upon God? But when you go into work and the place is in shambles and the boss is mean as all get out and you're whistling in there amazing grace and you're walking in there with such peace because God has rewarded you openly with this life that is not full of chaos but it is full of order. Amen. So there's a good word in closing. This is the real last closing. Those who seek God are promised these things. Listen to it. I wish I had these on the screen, but I didn't. And B, you can get ready for baptism. I don't know if you've got what you need to wear to baptism here now or whatever you need to do. Just get ready. Listen to these last closing verses. Isaiah 65, 10. And Sharon shall be a fold of flocks, and the valley of Achor a place for the herds to lie down in, for my people that have sought me. Now I'm going to say it again because some of you are distracted. And Sharon shall be a fold of flocks, and the valley of Achor a place for the herds to lie down in, for my people that have sought me. Listen to what he says over in another verse. Yet those who do not seek God will be empty. They'll be famished, they'll be dry, wandering about looking for a shepherd, hungry and never satisfied. 
The Bible says, shall be hungry, thirsty, and ashamed. But my servants shall eat, drink, and rejoice, and sing for joy. In other words, they'll have power, they'll have authority, they'll have spiritual strength, they'll have food for soul and mind. And then listen to what Proverbs 28, 5 says. They that seek the Lord understand all things. Why do we not seek Him? They who seek the Lord understand all things. Oh God, I don't understand why you're doing this to my family. They who seek the Lord will understand all things. Christ, our wisdom from God. Listen to what Psalms 90, 69.2 says. Your heart shall live who seek God. Psalms 91, some of our favorite passages and people that quote this verse. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And dwell means to live. You will live under the shadow of the Almighty. Yes. We sure can, man. Let's do that. Stand all over the house. Because I'm done. Let's do that. Let's say the Lord's Prayer. They do this in Romania after every service because they got their freedom on Christmas from a vicious dictator named Ceausescu. Peter Dugulescu, who preached in this church, had the courage to go out on the balcony because all the atheistic communists said, there is no God. God is dead. You will not pray. And on that day, some bold man stepped out and he said, our father. And that's what we're going to. And they, so now every time they pray, they begin. To, and that whole place in, in, in Timisoara begin to. I've got a little video of it. And they all begin to go, wait a minute. God's alive. He's not dead. And when we call on him, he hears us. And it's like faith enters into their heart. And they begin to pray it. And let's pray it right now, too. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Give him a hand clap. <laughs>